0: You guys know that I always say to lift heavy shit, and don't be a cardio queen. But sometimes you need to hear it from other people. So I am bringing you Dr. Emily Kyberd, who will tell you how you should be working out without burnout. If you have Hashimoto's, Emily is a chiropractor. She's been one since 2007. She's the owner of Urban Wellness Clinic in New York and in Boulder, Colorado. And she's the founder of Thyroid Strong, a strength-based workout program, helping women with Hashimoto's learn how to work out without the burnout. And she's helping them lose weight. People like you lose weight and boost energy. Are you sick of hearing me talk about young goose yet? Well, that's too bad because I love them and I have been using them now for years, probably about two or three years And I can honestly say that my skin looks great. So I go to my plastic surgeon's office to get a little bit of Botox, right? And he says, what are you doing for your skin? Because your skin looks great. And I'm 50. It's going to be young goose. You know, I've never had the ability to do those ablative lasers that are supposed to refresh and renew your skin. I just can't do it. I break out. So I love a good product line, that is actually going to do something with my skin and help me not age. So whether we're talking about eye cream, finding that perfect eye cream, whether you're finding that perfect collagen-boosting cream that smooths out wrinkles, Young Goose has it all. I use pretty much everything in their line, but my favorites are going to be the Care Moisturizer. This has NAD and NAD-boosting powers to it, which obviously helps your skin. We love NAD for anti-aging. I use the hyperbaric mask at night. I put that on. Oh my gosh. It just renews and replenishes and hydrates my skin. I use the ProCare serum. This is an anti-aging serum. It's senolytic, meaning it's going to seek out and destroy the bad cells and promote new cell growth. I use the Adaptogenic Cleanser. I use the Amplifying Essence, which really kind of boosts up your skincare. Overall, Bio-C Peptide Spray as a toner. Their entire line is fantastic. If you even start with two to three products, you will notice a difference in your skin. So you're gonna go to younggoose.com and you're gonna use the code Dr. Amy. This is going to save you 5% off. Now, is it a ginormous savings? No, but their line is so precise and so grounded in science. This is what they can offer. And, you know, I love the owners too. I think buying from from a family-owned company is so important. And if you met the owners, you would fall in love and want to use their products every single day because you know that their heart and soul is literally behind this line. So younggoose.com, use the code Dr. Amy, you will notice a difference in your skin have you ever heard of the baobab fruit? It's really interesting. And it is such an affordable way to increase your antioxidants because this thing is a multi-talented, multivitamin, multi-mineral, one of a kind supplement in powder form that you throw into your shakes. Oh my God. It just pretty much becomes a no brainer. So this particular Baobab Boost from Trim Healthy Mama, my two favorite ladies on the planet, they introduced me to this amazing antioxidant and I fell in love. I put it in all the time. Every single shake that I have, I put the Baobab powder in. It's citrus and sherbet tasting dried flesh, has five times the fiber of oats, and a higher antioxidant level than any food on the planet. That's eight times that of the super berry acai and more than blueberries and pomegranates combined. So quit eating all the sugar and just use organic baobab fruit pulp. It's that easy. Because Trim Healthy Mama, they put that into a nice powder. Like I said, I just scoop it right out, throw it into my shake. Oh my gosh, it reduces inflammation. It helps with weight loss. And the other really interesting thing about it is it's kind of working as an appetite suppressant. Now, I know it's not touted for that, but when you put it in your shake, especially first thing in the morning, throw that into a nice protein shake, you'll notice that your appetite is definitely curbed. So now I'm thinking of this perfect stack to replace or, or supplement those GLPs out there on the market. What if we did Baobab and Metabolism Fixer together? That would be crazy at controlling your appetite. And with the Baobab, you're getting all those antioxidants. It's, it's amazing. And this powder is so affordable. It is so affordable. So you're going to go to store.trimhealthymama.com And look up Baobab, it's B-A-O-B-A-B, Baobab Boost Powder. Uh, These ladies have just gone all out with their entire line, but this is one of my favorites because I started using it and I have to say that I noticed the appetite suppression difference. And then when I dove down the rabbit hole of what else is in it, the antioxidant content, the multi-mineral content, it just becomes a no-brainer. So store.trimhealthymoma.com, look for Baobab powder, enjoy. So please enjoy this podcast as Dr. Emily and I talk all about training, exercising with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Dr. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. I am super pumped about this topic because it's something that I talk about a lot But you know, people like to hear it from someone other than me. So I like bringing on experts who can also tell women that they need to stop being cardio queens. So welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. um, So we're just going to dive right into this here. When we're talking about Hashimoto's, because the majority of listeners right now have hypothyroidism Hashimoto's. So when we're talking about Hashimoto's, what... What should we be telling these women, these patients, to do with their workouts
1: that is so key, kind of pairing up with their health condition? So I think the most common recommendation, which I think feels misleading, would be walking, yoga, Pilates, low impact exercise, which, you know, what what is low impact? Is that like swimming? And I think those are good in theory with not wanting to burn someone out or overtax them, but none of those really focus on the muscle tissue. No amount of chaturangas in yoga, (laughs) yes, maybe thousands, is going to give you the muscle that you need, the meat on the bones, to feel good in your body, to stoke that metabolic engine. So I really deeply believe, as someone who also has Hashimoto's, but currently in remission, Mm -hmm. is resistance training, strength training, lifting something heavy with amazing form, putting it down and doing it again and really feeding that muscle tissue not only with that but then also with feeding your body with optimal protein. And when I've done that with women that I've worked with with Hashimoto's, taking away the the yoga which I think is good for the soul, so sometimes I feel like I'm tearing out their soul. I'm like, "You know what? Let's just put the <laughs> yoga aside." For like six to eight weeks, right? Your right. joints are achy, your muscles hurt, along with the other symptoms of Hashimoto's. Let's try that. Let's replace it with resistance training mm-hmm. three times a week. And sometimes it's working up to three times a week. Sometimes it's dialing back from six times a week to three times a week. And let's see how you feel. And a lot of them feel better. They have more energy energy. Their body composition changes. Mm -hmm. So pants are fitting better. And I think, I think there's a lot of fear around picking up a weight. So there is. Yeah, there is. Right. Because when did we ever learn? Yeah. Maybe in high school with the bros, like in the gym, maybe in college. I was a stairmaster queen. Oh my God, me too. Oh. (laughs) In college. Yes. Yes. And maybe it's, you know, there's a lot of boutique fitness, you know, 50 minute classes or with a trainer that might not know how to work with someone with the autoimmune condition. So I think it can feel very scary. A lot of my women come in, call the kettlebell, the kettle ball, which is, you know, like really sweet and endearing, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like it's a kettlebell. Right. Let me start with the basics here. Yeah. yeah. So I firm believer as you are in resistance training, strength training, I think women We are way stronger than we think we are. We are way stronger than the pink five pound weights. Yeah. And we should start walking towards that and teaching women how to pick up a weight properly so they don't fear it. Uh, I love it.
0: Well, let's unpack all of that because there's so much there. The very first thing I want to ask you with everything that you just stated is why the three days a week? why are you focusing on three? Because I work out six. Are you going to pull me back to three days? Why is that?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a spectrum of women with Hashimoto's. I think there's those on one end that are deconditioned, maybe get off the couch and go for a little walk and that's their exercise. And so I think those women need to work up. I think there's another end of the spectrum of women. And I was this end of the spectrum of like type A, go, 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 like Harder's better, more is better. If you're not in the gym an hour, hour and a half, it doesn't count. Six days a week who, if all the other stressors in our lives, and I believe in stress, like I believe in using it to your advantage, not de-stress. Right. But if we're kind of burning the candle at both ends in other aspects of our lives, like I was, I was working 12 hour days, managing a team, trying to come home and hang out with my kids. I think we can feel burnt out. We we will probably, our workouts, we probably won't be able to lift as heavy as we possibly could Mm -hmm. if we are not resting and recovering properly. So I like three days a week, four days, if the six day or six day weekers are like, no, I got to do one more day. So four days a week because rest and recovery is really important, right? We recover, you know, the benefit of the lift happens on the down days. And especially if we're, when we're getting really good sleep. Mm -hmm. That's when the muscle recovers because lifting a weight causes, you know, tears in the muscle. So those tears need to heal at some point. Break it down and build it up. Yeah, yeah. it's harder to heal when you're lifting six days a week. And I have friends who do it, but other aspects of their lives, they're feeding themselves properly. They're hitting their optimal protein. They're sleeping well. All those other aspects are also managed really well. Those
0: other aspects are key because you can't, expect to just hit the gym a couple times a week and call it a day. And then that's it. I mean, if you're feeding your body crap, if you're eating processed foods, if you're not sleeping, like you just said that you're not going to see the results from your hard work in the gym. You're not even going to be able to work that hard in the gym. If you're not doing all the things outside of your gym
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be an element. Like when you, when women start to lift that heavy if you're not resting properly, you will feel you will feel kind of like boggy, bloated, like, you know, barely be able to move kind of, you know, a really intense DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah. And I know I've done that before and I'm like, did I just like flare myself? <laughs> yeah. But it's just because I wasn't recovering properly.
0: So the big thing with autoimmune conditions is that recovery time so that we're not, breaking down breaking down breaking down and like you said there stress can be a good thing like hormetic stressors ice baths uh infrared saunas those things that we do to to create a stress on our body so that we respond and our cells actually get better and stronger because of that response and then we clear out dead cells but but what you're saying this kind of stressor of pounding your body day in and day out not so good for autoimmune conditions
1: yeah Yeah. And I think, you know, women probably feel that. The listeners probably feel that. They're very easy. I know working out, if I push myself just too hard, I would get sick. Yeah. That was really a sign of like my adrenals were tanked. Yep. (laughs) That was not, oh, I'm prone to sickness (laughs) and germs. You know, another thing is joints can get really achy. A lot of some women, when they overdo it, can feel brain foggy. And, I think I usually ask those women, how are you feeding yourself? Mm -hmm. How's your sleep? And how's your recovery? Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Now, what about those women? Because I know I'll I'll get this question from this episode. The ones that can't recover. So I will often hear people say um, that they will work out and then literally for four days after, they cannot recover. They don't feel well. They're, they're achy. They're sore, everything. So that makes them not want to go back to the gym because they're not recovering from that one workout that they did.
1: Yeah. I think understanding that person, what is their baseline, right? So if someone just emailed me with this and mm-hmm. she's doing my like very, very beginner program, which is 15 minutes of body weight movement. Perfect. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. But Her baseline of movement before that was much, much less, like not really getting off the couch, like kind of going for a walk sometimes. Yeah. And so 15 minutes of body weight movement. And we'll talk, we can talk about like rep sets scheme, Mm -hmm. but there's long rest breaks in there for recovery. And she's like, I, my muscles are really achy. I'm trying to get a massage. I have like the icy hot patches and, and I feel like I have to take some anti-inflammatories and I think and I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well but I think there's an element of like some people are very deconditioned and building up the baseline so I actually told her to like take it down a notch cuz she was doing a warm up and a body weight workout and I was like you know what just do the warm up mm-hmm. and we can talk about that what that is and then I think yeah I think there's an element of like so what's someone's baseline working up properly I also think for people who have not lifted weights that soreness can feel scary, and right. I for myself, if I don't have that soreness, I'm like, oh, I didn't lift. Like, I know, like, I the to heavier weight. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's twofold. I think we need to push ourselves. I think we don't push ourselves hard enough. I think society society like we're soft. Like we can get an orange any time of year. We can get whatever food we want, and you know, junk food is readily available at every stop and. So I, th- you know, I tell my women, I'm like, we do the hard things like, yes, we have Hashimoto's it's a diagnosis, but we are, we are not our diagnosis. And I think there's different mindsets of women who have Hashimoto's they They get their diagnosis and they're like, oh my God, I, I am my Hashimoto's mm-hmm. and can feel like a little defeated and not want to take the steps to uncover root causes and get down to the triggers. And then there's a the woman that are like, I am me and I'm amazing, but I also have Hashimoto's. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and they usually are doing kettlebell swings at the end of the six weeks and like pressing, you know, 12, 14 kilos at the end of the six weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think I tell my women, we do the hard things to build that resilience, right? Because yes, we are a little bit more susceptible to like, pushing ourselves into a flare up or getting achy joints. But like we dose that resilience little bit by little bit. It doesn't have to be an hour, hour and a half in the gym. It could be 20 minutes so that we can have that energy to, you know, throw our kids around or pick up our grandkids. I mean, I've had women come to me and be like, I'm scared to get on the floor to play with my grandkids because my knees hurt so bad. I don't know if I'm going to get off the ground. It's like, okay, so we need to train that. We don't need to avoid that that move because I want you to play with your grandkids we need to train that move slow controlled underweight so that when you do it with you know subconsciously dynamically you're not feeling pain and you're not fearful now you had
0: mentioned earlier and this is something I didn't know that that Hashimoto patients have a hard time doing squats and lunges just because of that joint pain the knee issue why why is there a connection there
1: so there's a um, slower tendon turnover right so at those where the muscle crosses a joint, inserts into the bone, like at the knee, like the infrapatellar tendon, a lot of like rotator cuff muscles that cross that joint, that tendon that inserts into the bone, there's slower tendon turnover. And all of our tissue, all of our tissue is constantly regenerating and replenishing, especially for getting good sleep. But I've noticed that the women with Hashimoto's have that tendon pain. So at the knees, at the shoulders, there's was also um, another thing with shoulders is women with Hashimoto's also are more predisposed to getting frozen shoulder syndrome. Oh yeah. After. Yeah. Yeah. When they're diagnosed, right. It's like perimenopause, menopause. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, sometimes they like can't lift their arm. And that's a really long rehab. And sometimes you rehab one for a year and next thing you know, next year the the, the other side is stuck and I used to see those people and I wish I was better educated and had asked them, Hey, have you gotten like a full thyroid panel? Mm -hmm. They probably would have recovered quicker, but going back to the knees. So slower tendon turnover. So it just takes longer for the the tendons to regenerate and replenish with the Hashi crowd. And so squats feel yuck. (laughs) (laughs) Lunges, lunges are very challenging. So I really focus on giving modifications and proper progressions. So maybe, you know, going back to that woman, she was in South Dakota. She kind of takes walks on the farms. Doesn't really get off the couch much. She's body weight squats to a chair. Okay. Then she adds a kettlebell as a goblet squat to a chair. Then we Perfect. start to take the chair away. Then we're starting to get, you know, cause the knee, the pressure in the knees increases exponentially once the your tush goes below your knees, like goes below ninety. Right, They're right. Like pressure in the knee joint. So, then we're getting her. Maybe we're doing body weight squats after she does goblet squats to the chair. Maybe she's doing body weight squats, but like holding on to something so she can get down into those hips and get mobility in the hips and the ankles. Mm-hmm. And then we add a goblet squat, and then we're double racking it, and then we're single racking it to challenge um, anti rotation. So there's a progression. But I think, you know, I've seen women and women have told me that, you know, they go to the trainer, the trainer's is already like making them rack the back squat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, yeah. that woman is not ready for that. <laughs> like, let's at least start with the weight on the front um, right, right. first. So, so yeah, so knees are challenging. Um, shoulders can be challenging. You know, when's the last time we like pressed something overhead that's heavy. So there's a progression for that as well.
0: Well, I think what's funny, you and I do this. We we've been doing it all our lives. It's just second nature. But it what what I find fascinating, and what I give you total kudos for, is that you're able to step back into that woman's shoes, uh, who hasn't gotten off the couch, and and baby step her into a resistance program that she can actually do. And like you said, where she's not coming out of the gate at hundred miles an hour and getting burned out on day one. And she's too sore. And she's never going to go back again. Like we see at gyms with trainers, right? I mean, you and I have seen this our whole life. What I admire about you is that when you're working with women, you're meeting them where they are with their capabilities, but still making them strong. And it doesn't matter whether it takes three months for Mary or whether it takes three or four weeks for, you know, type a Susie Q. I mean, you're, you're literally building out that program based
1: on their ability and where they are, even in their disease state. 100%. And I, that was a learning process for me because I actually created the six week program and I was, you know, working on it with women in the clinic face-to-face and, you know, the, the population that I was seeing in the clinic was in New York. So they're walking, like they have yeah. to walk <laughs> to go anywhere. Like, yeah, um, my way. I yeah. gotta move fast. <laughs> yeah, like they're like, oh yeah, I can go up and down the stairs. Um, I do it on the subway, and then I put it out into the world. And it was actually cha- too challenging for some women, especially like split squats and lunges. So I actually dialed it back and created like a beginner six week program to then lead into that program. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think it's so important. I always talk about that Arthur Ashe quote. It's like, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, right? Because I think with Hashimoto's, we can often feel defeated. Like mm-hmm. start where you are, yep. use what you have. So if you don't have a kettlebell, use a dumbbell. If you don't have Love a it. dumbbell, I've had women order like a sandbag and like fill it with sand to make it heavier mm-hmm. and then do what you can. So, and sometimes every day feels different, right? Like, oh, it does, you, have, you know, terrible sleep, your workout's going to feel different. Mm-hmm. Your workout's going to feel different if you ate before, if you didn't, if you ate like pounded some carbs, you'll probably get like a great PR, yeah. you know? So like meet yourself where you're at. Cause I think sometimes we shame and blame ourselves. Like, Oh, I couldn't, you know, finish the workout. It's Like, well, something is better than nothing. Right. Especially right. if you haven't lifted a weight in at least three months.
0: That's true. Very true. No, something is better than nothing. Absolutely. But If you're, if you're starting at a place where someone like yourself is holding their hand and, or even, you know, virtually holding their hand in a video, in a training, and then you can baby step up, you're going to be where some of the more advanced people are in just a few months, but you have to give yourself some grace and, and baby step it to your ability. So how do you, you mentioned the days already that you really like three days of resistance training maybe four if they're really type a, but uh, what about the sets, the reps you mentioned earlier? Let's talk about that. You have a certain protocol that you like to stick to.
1: Yeah. So I think some of the older research was like, you have to do eight to 12 reps to get muscle hypertrophy, right? Because the program is really focused on like feeding the muscle, like putting mm-hmm. muscle on the bone. And I think some of the newer research out is like, you just have to hit fatigue of like a seven or eight out of 10, 10 mm-hmm. being no way you can pick up the weight, the weight zero is like, I could do a thousand of these. Um, you need to hit like an eight by the last couple reps. Right. So there's some burn there's, um, it's challenging. It shouldn't feel like, Oh, I could do a couple more. You should have like maybe two more in the tank maybe by the last rep. So I, I have found that a lot of women were getting discouraged from like kind of the traditional rep and set scheme of like, you know, trainers are like three sets of ten or three yeah, sets of yeah. fifteen. Like a Hashi exactly. woman's gonna be like, mm mm, that's not happening. So when I started people out, when I started women out, it was heavier weights, mm-hmm. and so they have to be very strategic in how they're choosing their weight. Like they're they're look at it and think, okay, can I do five reps? Maybe have one more in the tank with that weight I'm picking up. Oh, yeah. um, thing type. So heavy, training. I love it. Heavier weight, um, lower reps. And especially for the people who are maybe more sedentary, it's like three to five reps mm-hmm. and starting to build up closer to eight, you know, by the end of the program. And everything is a slow compound move, right? So I call it like the essential seven. It's the, the hinge like a deadlift mm-hmm. and we do variations like we also do like a kickstand deadlift to kind of work hamstring and glute more yep squats uh lunge some push so press but i don't start with an overhead press i actually start laying down with a floor press
0: yep because okay. sometimes
1: getting especially people who sit all day like getting that arm above the head like that that motion gets lost when we're rounded all day true some sort of push or it's maybe like an elevated push up off the kitchen counter, mm-hmm. some sort of pull uh carry, like we're carrying our groceries to pack the shoulders, and then some sort of anti-core rotation. So those are the seven moves. So we focus on those. And yeah, the, the set scheme uses three sets, maybe four sets, but it's lower reps, it's with kettlebells. I think kettlebells are very forgiving when you're first learning form. Mm-hmm. Like to barbell deadlift is challenging. Like, yeah. get, get everything set up. Hex yep. bar, a little more forgiving on form, mm-hmm. but like, that's a big investment if you never picked up a weight. True. So, a kettlebell, you know, especially if you're pressing the way the bell is offset on the wrist, it like forces you to get Keep a neutral wrist. Older. Yeah. Which yeah. then, like, neuro, neurologically, packs your shoulder. Like if you pressed with kind of that broken wrist, like looks like a broken stick, Mm -hmm. your shoulder's not going to pack. If you have that straight wrist, it automatically, like everything, your serratus, everything turns on in the shoulder. And part of the program is, you know, I did a lot of studying of like how we moved, like how we learned our movement patterns on a neurodevelopmental level. Like when we were babies, like first year or two. Okay. So some, so those principles I bring into thyroid strong. So like, how do you breathe? How do you brace, you know, retraining women to not suck their belly into their spine when it's like, it's like a whole reprogramming Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning. And then, you know, how to brace properly. Like that is so foreign. Brace meaning us. like when you're getting ready to do a movement. So brace is in like, so you would, let's say you set up for the deadlift, you take a breath down and wide, right? Like all the way around, not just in your lungs. And then you keep that intra-abdominal pressure, that pressure in your core. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you ever go to a workout class and they're like, engage your core. you're like, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like very strategically, like how do you keep that tension in the core? How do you keep that pressure when you pick up the weight? And then when you put it down, you take it out. Cause you don't want to walk around with that pressure all day. You'll blow out your pelvic floor. Yeah. And then the third principle is like, how do you say stacked? So when, um, when you deadlift, let's just take the deadlift my favorite. That's my yeah. Favorite. When you stand up, sometimes you'll see people kind of flare their ribs, really arch their back. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. You get the whole, yeah. Yeah. The whole like pop, right. Uh-huh. So that, I think you, I think there's an element of that extension. That's important that over, like almost driving too much through the hips. If you're doing like double body weight sumo squats, right. Well, and if you're competing, like, okay, if if you're you're competing
0: competing. and the end, the lift with the whole like arch back, but if you're not literally being judged and you don't see any kind of red and green lights around you,
1: you don't need to hyper extend your back at the end of a deadlift. But if you work with a trainer, they're going to make you pick up a deadlift and be like, you know, drive through, through your hips, right. Which will then create that extension at the top of the deadlift which is unnecessary. Cause then you really, you crunch down on the facet joints in the low back. You're like all the tissue in that low back. Like you, you, some, you see people who do that a lot. They'll walk around like in extension. Yeah. So, <laughs> so going back to this, this idea of baby movements, a well-developing baby never like puffs out their chest or walks around an extension or pulls their shoulder blades together or sucks in their belly. Like some of the cues that we're told, right? It's like true. you it's never true. see a baby, like draw your belly to your spine. Like babies right. don't do that. And not that we're babies, but that first year of life, we hit certain milestones. And the I think the same thing, like I apply those milestones to how we lift. So for example, you know, when you're talking about posture, you're thinking of like length through the neck, soft chin. You know, if you hear a Pilates cue, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you want good posture, pinch your shoulder blades together. Like no one can do that for more than like a minute before like total utter fatigue. And that's not how the shoulder blades are actually supposed to go down and wide and like sit on the ribs. So some of those principles I bring into Lifting because I think sometimes the cueing that we've been given, if we've been in that world, like the six day a week type A women, who yeah. may be doing CrossFit, like we've been given cues that are not great for our body and can predispose us to more joint pain. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Very true. And you know what I love is, and and the women don't even know it, but you and I know it, is that you are bringing in that three to five rep range is that core power lifting, not so much bodybuilding, because bodybuilding is more like high reps and all that, yeah. that core power lifting, building that foundational strength. And, and women don't even know it, you don't have to tell them. But yeah, that's exactly it. And I want to talk about building that muscle. You had mentioned earlier, a lot of women are scared to lift heavy because they have it in their head. And I've talked about this so many times, but it's worth bringing up over and over again. They have it in their head that they're going to become big and bulky. They're going to look like a female bodybuilder that looks like a dude. Like it's it's not going to happen unless you are taking the steroids that accompanies that female bodybuilder look, you are not going to get that big. Like I wish I could even get Like a half, half, 50% that big naturally, but you can't because you're a woman, unless you're a genetic freak. Maybe your mom and dad are like Tom Brady and Giselle. I don't know. But unless you were a genetic freak, you're not going to get that big. Can you speak on that too, Emily?
1: Yeah. Muscle is a very expensive currency metabolically. It is so hard. (laughs) I wish it was so much easier to put on muscle, but it is so challenging. I know. know. And I I think, like, I think when I hear that, I think women looking at themselves as they're putting on more muscle need to have an honest conversation with themselves. Like how many calories are they intaking? Right. So to put on more muscle usually means more calories in, you know, and even when, I mean, you did bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not always cutting season, right? Right. (laughs) It's cycling. It's you cycle, you put on muscle, then you cut to change the body composition and you cycle up then you cycle. So it's like the cycle, but everyone just assumes it's like, Oh, everyone's always low calorie and working out crazy, you know, Mm -hmm. like moving more, eating less. And um, I think for people who think they're looking or getting bulky, need to be honest about how much food they're intaking. Right. And is it really just adipose tissue on top of more muscle tissue? Right. So maybe there needs to be a shift there in eating patterns, if that's what their focus is. For me with Hashimoto's, I just wanted my energy back and I wanted my brain fog to go away. So, but if the goal is weight loss and change in body composition and clothes fitting differently, like resistance training is a non-negotiable. Like it has to happen. If those are the, those are the goals for someone, like their own goals. And then eating also needs to be dialed in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly.
0: Well, and let's mention that muscle is metabolically active. So even if you are sitting there saying, but I want to be in a cutting phase because I need to lose 30 pounds by doing cardio, you are not going to reach that goal. Unless you build that sexy lean muscle that is metabolically active, that will literally give you a better metabolism as you sit there watching Netflix you need to lift heavy. You need to lift heavy.
1: I mean, cardio
0: breaks down the muscle tissue. Yep. So And increases cortisol, which we know is another issue with Hashimoto patients. A lot of times they're dealing with some kind of an adrenal issue. So just like you said earlier, don't go do CrossFit seven days a week. Same thing is don't do just cardio because that is nothing but adrenal pounding, no return on investment whatsoever exercise. Okay. You get a little bit of cardiovascular. I get it. Yes. You're keeping your heart and your lungs healthy. but you know what, go, go sprint for 15 minutes or you know what lift heavy shit and your heart rate is going to go up anyways. So you're still going to get the cardiovascular effect. Your Apple watch will still go into the orange. Don't worry, ladies. Like you're still going to get that cardiovascular effect that you get in a spin class. Or on your damn peloton, but you're going to be lifting heavy.
1: Yeah, I think when we first do cardio, there's we, you know, we come back from our, you know, run and we're like, oh, or like our abs are a little like more, you know, like we it's look like we're skinnier. yeah. It's water weight. <laughs> like it's water weight.
0: Oh yeah, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. People, no. I gained weight. I'm like, no, you
1: didn't. No. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I think we are eating badly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I think it's a non-negotiable, just like you can't out train a bad diet. You can't no train good diet. So I think it goes both ways. And you know, I really think every single person on the planet should be resistance training, but especially, especially the women. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, you have, what do you have coming up? You have a, you have a, a, an entire course. What do you have coming up?
1: Yeah. So thyroid strong. There's two courses is like ultimate beginner, which is 12 mm-hmm. weeks. And then there's more intermediate, which is six weeks. Um, people can join at any time, but I do twice a year. Like we do it like collectively. Oh, um, nice.
0: Like as a big, like family. Yeah.
1: yeah. So cool. the last round, I think 60 women went through. And I think it's cool because how many times have you done a app or a challenge? Or, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of women come to me from like Beach Body. Yeah. And they're like, these everyone else in the challenge, or everyone else in the program is getting great results. And I felt like tanked out and brain foggy and I was gaining weight. It's like, well, everyone else didn't have an autoimmune condition. So it's nice because everyone has similar challenges. Yeah. Like, oh, your knees hurt too. Oh, yeah, mine do too. Yeah. Um and Going through it together, like with other women with Hashimoto's, so nice. Like people, are like oh my god, someone gets me because a lot of these women come and they're like, no one gets me. My husband's yeah. like, I don't get it. Why are you sleeping on the couch? My kids don't get it. Like coworkers, friends, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So to be in a group with people who get it is just like oh, like it's just like the light switch went on, which is it's so nice. So um, yeah, end of September we're gonna do like a live round to start beginning of October. So for people who are doing the six weeks, it would finish right before Thanksgiving. And, you know, there is a nutritional component. I get that question a lot. Okay. Yeah. No, there has to be. Yeah, Yeah, there has to be, Um, especially because like the two biggest goals people are coming in with is like, I want more energy and I want to lose some weight.
0: Exactly. Those are the two biggest with, with all hypo Hashi patients. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, and there's some pieces that I speak to, but are not my specialty. Right. So like we've talked about this. It is near impossible to lose weight if your thyroid hormones are not being managed properly. Exactly. Or under a good provider. Like if you're, if your TSH is like all over the place, if you're it doesn't on doesn't matter what warming, you
0: do. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to happen. Right. So that, that's an important part. I'm glad you brought that up. Emily, like, because I don't want people doing your program or anybody's program that didn't work. It's like, well, you know, your free T3 is in the toilet. Your reverse T3 is high and you're on T4 only good for, I mean, you're still getting benefit from any kind of exercise, especially a program that's tailored to Hashimoto's, but you still got to do this part over here and getting everything optimized. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the success, like, like I, I was telling you earlier is, uh, I had a patient who was on like T3, T4 and then her doctor put her just on T4 and she, she got like gained 40 pounds in two months. Right. And, but she was doing all the things like she was resistance training. She was like, nothing else changed except that. And she was like, please put me back on some T3. Exactly. But doing, when she was just on T4, doing all those things like was so much more exhausting and so much more challenging. So you know, we want people to have success in working out. Yeah. And so those other pieces I speak to like, Hey, are your thyroid hormones being managed properly? And then I make people like go dig your blood workout and <laughs> go look at it. And, oh yeah. um, cause most people are like, Oh yeah, yeah my doctor said everything's normal.
0: Everything's normal. Um, it's all fine and normal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so it's nice to go through, I can see workouts, like who's completed, how many workouts, So there's little like kind of, um, celebrations through the program by the end of the six weeks to add into that dynamic bit of how can we get some cardio from our weightlifting? We are working into kettlebell swings and this doesn't mean like we're doing 20, but we're doing drills to do like single reps, maybe three in a row, park the bell to start to teach someone how to get their heart rate up with Mm -hmm. using weights. With weights. With exactly. Weights. And uh so that's at the end of the six weeks. And it's yeah, it's really fun. People come with great questions. And I think the people who have not worked out before, the people who have that are in the program kind of elevate the people and inspire the people who haven't. Mm-hmm. Um but we do, yeah, we do weekly lives. People could do the workouts in their own time from home and people get very creative if they don't have a kettlebell.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much you can do, but, but kettlebell is a good investment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Dr. Emily, I, we will put all of that information in the show notes for anyone that is interested because I think that is a fantastic opportunity, fantastic program, especially if you can do it with other people that are going through the same thing that you're going through. So we'll have all that information for the listeners And thank you, thank you for coming on and saying all the things that need to be said because people need to hear this so that they can take their health to the next level, so that they can continue that healing journey from Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. So, Emily, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time here.
1: Having me on, and it's so nice to speak to someone who also has a background in lifting heavy stuff. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean,
0: we we both have Hashi, we both lift heavy shit, so you know, it's. It is. I mean, it's nice to kind of bounce back and forth with experiences and then even what we see from our client page population. So yeah, yeah, okay. it's been fantastic. So thank you so much, Emily. And we'll definitely have you back on.